The text that we're going to be looking at today is in the New Testament book of Philippians. It's a real short book, easy to look past, but uh, we'll be in Philippians chapter 3, and we're going to start reading in verse 2 in just a moment. Uh, Philippians chapter 3 and verse 2, and as you're turning there, I want to tell you it is good to be back with you. Um, hope everybody had a blessed Christmas and a good start to a new year. I know we had a good Christmas. In fact, uh, we took part in six Christmases, and I'm all about Christmas. I love the Christmas time, but... Frankly, six is too many, I think. And uh, uh, we also had a new experience while we were gone, while we were in Illinois. Uh, the church that Scarlett and I uh, met each other in, basically grew up in, uh, they asked me to preach for them on Sunday. And that, that was a new experience because uh, I don't ever preach anywhere else except for here. Uh, but also it was a new experience because I didn't go prepared to preach. And so I didn't have a suit with me. I didn't have a dress shirt. I didn't have my Bible notes. In fact, I didn't even have uh, a Bible, and so it was. Uh, I was able to. Uh, I was able to. To get a new shirt, and I did have my laptop with me, which had my uh, sermon notes on it, and and I uh, did borrow a Bible. So it all worked out. But it was. It's good to be with them, uh, but it's it's gooder to be with you guys. Am I too loud? We're still trying to. We're still trying to work out all of our. Uh, uh, technological issues because with the new projector we also have to get a new computer and there are different levels on all that. So sorry about that if I'm if I'm blasting you out. Uh, like always, it's it's hard to believe that a new year is here already. At least it is for me. Uh, it seems like 2014 is, has just blown past and we're already almost a week into 2015. Now as I say that it's 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 kind of sobering, but as they say, time and tide wait for no man. So. I guess we'll just have to accept the fact that uh, we're another year into life, and it's already 2015. And um, if you've been coming here for a while, you know that the beginning of a new year, what I like to do is I like to look back at where we've been and maybe look ahead to uh, where we might go in the future. And I acknowledge at the outset that this text has a lot to say that we're not going to touch on. Um, it's also... Um, you know, he, he's kind of addressing some individuals here. But having said all that, I believe that Paul has some good stuff to say and uh, some good stuff for us to think about as we as a church think about where we should be going in 2015. So if you have your Bibles open to Philippians 3, go ahead and stand with me if you would. And we're going to start reading in verse 2. Paul says, Beware of the dogs, beware of the evil workers, beware of the, the false circumcision. For we are the true circumcision who worship in the, spirit of, in the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. Although I myself might have confidence even in the flesh, if anyone else has a mind to put confidence in the, in the flesh, I far more. Circumcised the eighth day of the nation of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law a Pharisee, as to zeal a persecutor of the church, as to the righteousness which is in the law found blameless. But whatever things were gained to me, those things I count as loss for the sake of Christ. More than that, I count all things to be lost in, in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them but rubbish, so that I may gain Christ. It may be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own derived from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection, and the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death, in order that I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. 
Not that I have already obtained it, or have already become perfect, but I press on so that I may lay hold of that for which also I was laid hold of by Christ Jesus. Brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal of the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Thank you. You may be seated. As we work our way through the text today, I want to organize my thoughts around three different uh, words or phrases that Paul uses here in this text, and they're going to provide kind of a skeleton, if you will, of what I think God would have us learn and think about as we enter, enter into 2015. And the first is that word, beware. Looking at verse 2, he says, beware of the dogs. Now, it's obvious that he's not saying, keep your eyes peeled for some kind of canine offender. He's using, uh, he's using very descriptive language to talk about people, a certain group of people. And in fact, he uses three different uh, descriptors of one group of people. He calls them dogs, evil workers, and the false circumcision. Or if you're reading the King James, it calls it the concision. Now, what was happening in the early church was there were some, uh, there were some Christians, some Jewish Christians, or at least they claimed to be Christians, who were going from place to place, and they were teaching some bad doctrine. In particular, they were teaching that faith in Christ alone was not enough for salvation. They said that was the first part of it, but what you had to do after that was you had to follow all the law of Moses. In particular, they got hung up on the law of circumcision. So, so understand, this is a threat from inside the church. This is not coming from the outside. This is something coming from the inside. And who knows what their motivation for this was. Maybe, maybe they just invested so much of their life in following the law that they just couldn't stand the idea that faith in Christ alone was enough for salvation. Uh, maybe they were taught wrong. Maybe they, who, who knows what their motivation was, but for whatever reason, they were going around leading people astray. And Paul says, you better beware of that. You need to keep your eyes open for these types of people. And on the surface, you may be thinking to yourself, now, Pastor, I, I understand where that would be a bad deal, but what does it have to do with 2015? Because last I knew, we didn't have anybody coming in here saying, if you want to go to heaven, you have to be circumcised. Well, while the particulars are different, the overarching idea is the same. And that is, we must beware because we're living in perilous times. Now, I freely admit I'm not a prophet nor the son of a prophet, but I can read the Bible, and I am literate, and the Bible says many times that things are going to get worse and worse before the end. And I believe as we uh, look at the news, as we look at what's going on in the world, I believe that we're seeing that today. Now, I don't believe in newspaper eschatology where you hold the, you know, the Bible in one hand, the newspaper in the other, and try to see everything that's happening in the newspaper as happening, uh, being predicted in the Scripture. But having said that, uh, we live in some pretty rough times. And I'm not talking just geopolitically. I'm talking spiritually as well. There is false teaching and deception going on in our churches. And, and it's not just in America. It's being, it's being done all across this world. People are being misled. People are being deceived. So what is it that Paul would say we need to be aware of? Well, I think like this Philippian church, we need to keep our eyes open for anybody that would dilute, water down, or change the simple, unadulterated gospel. And what's the gospel? The gospel is that God came and dwelt among us in the person of Jesus Christ. He was born of a virgin, lived a perfect, sinless life, died as a substitute for mankind on the cross, was dead, buried on the third day, rose again. Now he sits at God's right hand, making intercession for us, and one day he will bodily return to this earth to judge the living and the dead. 
It's, the gospel is that our sin has separated us from God and that the only way to be reconciled to God, the only way to be made right with God is to put our faith in Christ for forgiveness of sin and salvation. Nothing more, nothing less. And if we will do that, the Bible says we'll be saved. You say, well, yeah, everybody believes that. Not everybody does. And in fact, in a lot of churches, that's not even taught. There's danger outside the church, but there's danger inside the church as well. And I'm afraid that 2015 is going to, things are going to get worse and worse. Now, again, I'm not a prophet, but that's just my guess. So the first word is beware, but the second thing, uh, this phrase comes from two different verses of Scripture. That's verses 7 and verse 13, and that is consider and forget. Consider and forget. Look at verse 7 again. But whatever things uh, were gained to me, those things I have counted as loss for the sake of Christ. And then verse 13. Brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet, but one thing I do, in other words, I have a single focus, and this is it, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal of the prize of the upper call of God in Christ Jesus. So verses 7 and 13, I think, are, are, are key. Now verse 7, he says, He's considered all these things as lost. What things is he talking about? Well, if you look at the verses right before that, he's listed a big list of spiritual accomplishments. Some of the things he didn't have any control over, like where he was born. He's, he said he was born of the nation of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin. Down to us, we can barely, uh, we're like, okay, if you say that's one of the tribes, great. Like, we can't keep straight which is a tribe and who's the son of who and all that in the Old Testament. But that was a very prestigious thing in the Jewish culture because the tribe of Benjamin, they were the ones that stayed uh, loyal to the, to the throne of David. You remember uh, around 700 uh, or 701 uh, B.C., uh, there was uh, the Assyrian captivity and they came in and, and the nation of Israel was broken into two. There was the northern kingdom, the ten tribes, the southern tribe, uh, uh, Benjamin and Judah. Uh, Benjamin was a tribe that stayed loyal to the throne of David. King Saul, the first king of Israel, was from the tribe of Benjamin. Things like that was something to be proud of. But some of the other stuff was stuff that he chose. He says, I was a Pharisee. We have kind of a bad taste in our, our mouth about Pharisees because, well, Jesus was always blasting them. But if they were walking around today or we lived in their culture, we would think the Pharisees had it all together. They were strict religious people. They, they strove to keep all the law of Moses plus all these extra laws that they came up with on their own. He said, if anybody has a reason to put confidence in what they've done to get to heaven, it's me. But yet he says, but I considered these things in verse 7, and all these things I, I counted as loss. My Bible says counted, your Bible may say consider. It has that word of, of reflecting on, of thinking them through. So what, what the idea here is, is that Paul thought all these things that he had done, all these accomplishments, and he held them in one hand, and then he said, you know what? Here's the value of knowing Christ in the other hand. When I compare those two things, the value that I saw as, as being before, I'm taking this as that I, what I once saw as an asset and putting it in the deficit column. All these things that I thought were so great before, they're not going to get me to heaven. He, he's not saying I'm going to have selective memory. He can recall all of it just fine. What he's saying is I'm not going to dwell on it. I'm not going to sit back on my laurels and pat myself on the back. Instead, I'm going to see that all this stuff doesn't amount to a hill of beans compared to knowing Christ. That's my real goal, he says. I like what one commentator said. He said, looking back is sure to end in going back. 
Looking back is sure to end in going back. And I think a lot's wife with this. Paul knew that trusting in those things would eventually lead to his eternal condemnation, not his eternal salvation. So I think if, if we're going to consider where we're headed, like Paul, we should look back. Where have we been in 2014? Well, hopefully you saw some of the pictures on the screen. And I didn't have pictures of everything that we did. But I got to thinking about all these things, and I was, I was writing them down, and then I, I was looking through different pictures and different notes, and, it's like, and I just kept seeing more and more things that I'd forgotten about. And it's like, wow, that was this year? That was 2014? It seems like so long ago. For instance, we did the couple's Valentine's dinner. Our youth put it on. Super Bowl, which is coming up real soon. Men, we can sweep yeah. it again. Woo! Uh, we, we collect cans of, of soup, and well, there's a trophy around here somewhere. It has the men's name on it this year, I believe. So anyhow, uh, we did a Super Bowl. We did a uh, breakfast, an Easter egg hunt for the kids, any Armstrong Easter offering. We had a neighborhood party with food, popsicles, fire and police departments, a dunking booth, which was extremely popular, uh, a ladies' tea. We had a fantastic Bible school. If you're a part of Bible school, again, I'm, I'm so proud of the church. We have people, we have parents send us thank you letters for, for ministering to them and, and, and for what we've done with the kids. We gave out school supplies at it. Uh, it was a, a great time. We had an apple butter making days float. Uh, we did a gag gift party, as you saw with Shane's per, uh, blue hair. And we baptized three people, two of which were new converts. Uh, our church website, a lot of you may have forgot that we have a church website, but I checked the, uh, the analytics. It was visited over 600 times this year. Since we started putting messages online in 2009, they've been listened to over 3,000 times. Uh, the ceiling in the fellowship hall is finally fixed. I mean, it was torn up forever because we had the water leak and all that. We got a new roof. Uh, the ceiling is fixed. I think almost every room in the fellowship hall has gotten a new coat of paint on the ceilings. Uh, the ceiling in here had had water damage, as you can see. It's all been torn down, uh, replaced. The, uh, the walls have been patched. They had some cracks in them. New coat of paint, we have a new projection system, new projector and screen. I mean, I just kept looking at all these things, and I'm like, wow, that's great. That is, that is wonderful. In fact, I think that's the most we've ever done in a year. And I look at what Paul says, and what would he say? Good job. Time to move on. He says, don't dwell on it. That's great, but now build on it. Don't, don't sit back on your laurels and say, uh, you know, good job, New Hope. Why don't you take a year off? And that, wouldn't that be nice if that's what he said? The problem is, why don't you take a year off? The next year you want to take that year off too because boy, it feels nice. Now, that's not taking away from anything that we did. But he's saying, don't think too highly of yourselves because all that stuff ain't going to get you to heaven. The important thing is knowing God, knowing God better. So we have a look back, but the last phrase I want you to see is one that um, he uses a couple times here, and that is press on. Church, it's time to press on. And I feel like we're kind of at a, kind of at a, a tipping point. Does anybody else feel like that? It, it, I mean, it just seems like, like things could, could just break loose. And, and the thing that kept coming to my mind as I was, uh, I've been thinking about this and praying about it for a while, the thing that kept coming to my mind is this is a new year. And I don't just mean a new year because it's 2015 instead of 2014. I mean it's a new year. 
I believe God is wanting to do something new and new hope. Listen, we have new members, new opportunities. The church looks almost brand new on the inside because of all the stuff that's happened. We were able to reach out to new families this year that we never reached out to before. We have momentum, so let's not lose it. Keep moving forward. Don't go backwards. Don't stop. Don't let it. Don't let it. Don't let it uh, kind of pile up and say, "Okay, well, this is good enough." No, keep moving forward. We have such a sweet spirit here. Let's not fight and bicker because you can disagree without being disagreeable, you know. And, and that's one of the great things that I, I love uh, about this church. We may not always have all the same ideas, but we don't have to fight about it. That's not a hill you have to die on. So let's live at peace and unity with one another. Let's be a light that shines in our community. Doesn't anybody else want that? To, to, to have people come to know Christ through new hope? If you do, say amen. Good. Okay, so let's press on. Y'all were just looking at me. I was hoping that, that I hadn't lost you. You know, I'm not ready to give up. Are you? I'm not ready to throw in the towel. I'm not ready to concede this part of Lawrence County to the devil. I'm not ready to say, you know what, devil, that's just, it's just fine. People around us don't matter that much. I want to see him come to know Jesus. Folks, God has put us here. Uh, I know that Scarlett's been talking with, some, uh, with her Sunday school class about the book of Esther. Mordecai talks about her being there for such a time as this. God has put us here for such a time as this. You look at the people around you. He's brought you here. He's brought your neighbors here. He's brought me here at this time for a reason. And I don't believe that that reason is to give up. I don't believe he brought us here at this time to say, okay, well, let's just close the doors. Let's just, uh, let's just let somebody else take us here to reach out. So let's build on what we've done. I'm excited. So press on. Paul says it a couple times, press on. Press on, he says. When, when, I mean, we get into this and come about, oh, July when we start Bible school, we'll need a reminder of this. Maybe I should put this in the file when we start doing Bible school. Press on. Because we start getting into it and it starts getting, it starts getting tiring. Press on. Paul talks about all these spiritual accomplishments that he had. He said, you know what, that's not going to get me salvation. That's not going to get me to heaven. The only thing that's going to get me to heaven is knowing Christ. And you say, well, I've gone to church, I've done this, I've done that, I've taught this class, whatever. You know what, that's all great. But Paul nailed it. The only thing that's going to get you to heaven is knowing Christ. And if you don't know him personally, if you've never repented of your sins and been forgiven, you can today. The Bible says, all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. For those of us who are Christians, I've been talking about what we should do as a church. What does God want you to do this year? You know, they say the, a lot of people's idea of a perfect sermon is one that goes over their head and hits their neighbor. You know, sometimes we think, well, somebody else can do that. And, and I, I said this, I'm not just saving it for here. I said it in Illinois too. Man, if you're retired, you got more time than anybody else. Don't don't use that as an excuse. If you're young, Paul said to, to young Timothy, he said, "Don't let people look down on your youth. Be a good example." 
What does God want you to do this year? Not what does he want your neighbor to do, not what does he want your spouse to do, not what does he want your pastor to do, what does he want you to do for him through the church? Maybe the first thing is he wants you to become a member of New Hope. Maybe, maybe he's leading you into some area of service and it scares you to death. Maybe he's been laying on your heart and you say, you know what, I, boy, I, I think that's what God wants me to do, but I'm, I'm kind of hesitant to do that. You know, I'd be happy to talk to you. I don't have the answers. You should know me well enough to know that. What does God want you to do? Maybe it's not teach a Sunday school class. Maybe, maybe it's nothing I've even hinted at. But God wants you to do something. And maybe you just think there's something out there. You're not sure what it is. Pray. Ask God to show you what it is. But no matter what we do as a church, we need to press on.